Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 76th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today is going to be a spectacular show. It's Megacon week. EJ and I are going to talk about The Flash, Game of Thrones, Preacher, and Fear the Walking Dead. This was an epic week of television. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic EJ Marino. If you have a question for the show, because we talk about so many sweet television shows and awesome movies and everything around the comic book world and pop culture, you can contact us three ways to tell us your questions and we'll give you our feedback. You can send us a tweet, comment on the podcast itself, or send me an email at Matt at Popaxium. EJ, it's Megacon week. How are you doing? I'm getting prepared, kind of a little, it's a, it's a neurotic feeling, man. I'm getting, uh, trying to make sure I have everything, every camera, every phone charger, every fur coat that I need to have. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I packed my Swiss Army knife. I'm ready to go. It's, it's one of those things where you just pack everything possible that you think you might need because we're going to be living out of our booth. 3203 is the Monkey's Fighting Robot booth at Megacon. And that's where we're going to, like, I got, you know, cases of Red Bull, cases of water, we're going to be ready to go because there's going to be so many insane cosplayers there and we're going to just film and photograph and live broadcast. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to meet all the cosplayers I've got to try to like talk to throughout the long line. I can't wait to get any interviews of any like celebrities or any like really awesome cosplayers. Yeah, I just can't wait to get as much footage and as much content and have a really great time at MegaCon. And we're really going to bond because it's going to be four days of us hanging out. Yeah, this is uh, this is like going on like a road trip, old school like kind of style, or we're all stranded on desert island, surrounded by nerds, basically. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy weekend, and I I'm so excited. It's it, it's what I've been waiting for for so long. Just chopping off the days, and MegaCon is almost here. Sunday is always the most fun for me because I see get to see who staggers in from the monkeys fighting robots crew after three solid days of conning. Because people aren't prepared for conventions. I don't think they understand how much walking, how much waiting, how much standing in lines and, and all the crappy food and how you're staying up late, whether you're drinking or partying or, or playing World of Warcraft with all your buddies in the hotel. Whatever it is that you're doing, a con is a con and you got to be prepared for it. It's like it's getting prepared for like a triathlon and I'm not ready. My cardio is not my cardio is not there, man, but I'm going to try to I'm going to try to survive it. We'll see what I look like Sunday. I can't wait to like live broadcast from there and Snapchat the whole thing and write on Twitter. And so everyone can know if I'm, if I'm going to make it out alive. You little hipster Snapchatter. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days I will I will never get on Snapchat. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of going forward in time, backward in time and out of time and out of place. What the hell happened in the Flash season finale this week? Almost everything happened in the Flash season finale. A villain died. We got time travel. We got drama. We got love. We got badass superpowers. 
everything happened. It was a pretty crazy episode. Everyone's a little pissed at the ending, which obviously, because Barry's an asshole, we all deserve to be pissed. But I think overall, it was a really good episode. Oh, my God. This totally reminded me why I read a lot of comic books. I read Amazing Spider-Man. I've read almost every Amazing Spider-Man. I've read almost all of the Thor. I've read almost all of Iron Man and Green Lantern and Batman. And I've read Flash, but I have gaps in my reading. And I and the Flash just reminded me why I have gaps in my reading of the Flash. Because stupid shit like time travel and resetting the universe and making things just not matter. The past two seasons of what we just witnessed doesn't matter. And then they can move forward a little bit and then reset it. And then it doesn't matter again. So it's a double doesn't matter bullshit. Ugh. Yeah, it's a lot of don't matter on top of don't matter on top of don't matter. But it, it, it's cool, and it's the one thing I kind of always love. Like you said, it's a, it's a love and hate thing with The Flash because I appreciate what they do. As a superhero, I think he has one of the most expansive and insane universes throughout comic book history, and the show kind of isn't pulling much punches with it. It's getting just as ridiculous as the comic books, like with uh, the little time remnant people and those crazy Grim Reaper speed force demon things. It's ridiculous of what they have and how how embedded in source material they are and they're not letting up it's ridiculous the show's confusing <laughs> and but confusing in a fun way to me at least well that's what the flash is the flash is all about being confusing because like in the comic book like i said i don't know last episode or episode before he created himself the way jeff johns wrote it is that the lightning rod that lightning bolt that hit him in his in his office when he was doing the science and the chemicals and all this stuff that was him from the future when he died so it's kind of this giant loop of speed force of chaos the only way this episode is going to be redeemable for me is if it just starts off next season with a giant crossover where he walks out of goes back to whatever time he's going to go back to or if he stays in that time and he runs into Supergirl or Green Arrow's there or the Legends of Tomorrow are there and there's this massive expansive universe that he just exploded when he decided to be selfish and save his mom and dad again which we already went through last season oh so frustrating but no I my like I said only hope is a giant crossover when the episode one of season three starts I definitely think they're building to it. Once they announced that they're doing like a four way crossover as soon as Supergirl got on CW and they're like are basically like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on TV, it's awesome that DC has that much content that they can fill up a whole week and they're they're going to use it and this is the perfect way to kind of start melding universes. I think Legends of Tomorrow is the key to kind of uh to kind of connecting each world and I think that needs to really happen. And this needs to be this expansive universe we built because that's what DC's known for. This is all an homage to the Flashpoint and what he did to save his mom there and how he messed up the entire universe. But we unfortunately, we don't get to see Batman and crazy Wonder Woman and crazy Aquaman. But this is going to do because this is going to be insane. But as one whole episode, I actually really did like the finale. I think the Zoom Flash finale and how Barry got to kill zoom without actually getting to kill him that, that was that was refreshing because i didn't know what they were going to do with that but we didn't see him we kind of saw him die but you didn't see him die so here there's a possibility that he could come back my 
bigger question to you was how disappointed or how excited were you when the man from the Iron Mask is Barry's dad? I, I that is the reveal was obvious. Actually, not really, but at the same time, kind of everyone, everyone guessed one person or the other. Everyone was like, it's going to be Barry's dad. Oh, no, no, it's Wally. No, no, it's actually Barry from Earth 10 or 11. Yeah, everyone went through something. So we all kind of expected this at one point. So it was cool and it was awesome because it comes with so much more nerd background. That actor played the Flash in a 90s TV show. So to kind of see him back in the Flash outfit, it, it just comes with so much nerd baggage in a good way. And I love it. And I thought that was like such a good reveal. And... The, the the drama that Barry got to have right after because of seeing his dad, but it, it was awesome. And I wish they could have stayed together because two flashes and two flashes that are Alan's are awesome. Well, Alan Garrick's. This is where being a critic really bothers me because the way I analyze the show when I'm watching it, I just couldn't just sit and enjoy it. Cause when the, when it ended, and people start going off in their own direction and they do different things. And then the way it ended, the reset things. In my head, all I'm hearing is CW is running out of money. So we are going to keep it open. If we can get sponsors or more advertisers, then we'll bring these characters back. But we're setting it up to be a very bare bones season so we don't have to pay people. Oh, yeah, I completely agree, and they're smart of how they're running it on the business side. They're doing it the way CW, as kind of a low-budget channel, can handle something as big as they're building. I think the Flash, the DC universe that they have, is a little bit bigger than the CW, so they're doing the best they can, but I, I appreciate the Flash because it's one of the few things that I can turn my critic, pretentious brain off, and I love it for what it is. I always compare it to what my old favorite TV show from the 90s is, and it's uh, Buffy. I think it has that fun, nostalgic, campy vibe, and no matter what, I, I turn off my critic brain, except for I was pissed that nothing happened with um, Jesse Quick and Wally West. We got no kind of inkling that they might be superheroes. Even if they would have hugged and sparked when they hugged each other, that would have been awesome. But yeah, that was my one critic pissed off moment. They don't even exist right now. I, I know nothing exists right now and everything's going crazy. But within the moment and how it happened, I wish it was a little different tweaking that. But yeah, once Barry went back in time, it, it left season three open to some major crazy shit. And I'm actually excited for it. I'm excited for the series because I like the show. I, time travel just writes yourself into a corner sometimes, and that just aggravates me because you can, you can blame it on lazy writing or when you're in the writer room. I mean, we could be writing this out right now. And we're like, oh, my God, this sounds amazing. This is what we would do, blah, blah, blah. But then when you transition it to the screen, it comes off flat. So I, guess I can see where the writers could have thought this was a great idea, and it could have passed several eyeball test in it being like oh this is amazing this is brilliant but when you're critiquing stuff for writing and acting and so many cheesy lines in this episode too uh it, it, the, the time travel just gives it a really weak ending uh time travel is always messy and i've i've accepted it as someone who likes a lot of nerd stuff because time travel somehow some way over finds itself even just saw the new alice in wonderland movie and that whole movie is about time travel and kind of this messing with the past so it's everywhere and it's stupid and it's hard but yeah something about the flash i i love the cheesy lines i think that's something that show always gets kind of jabbed at for and that's something i love about it i i love it for what it is and it's campy it's 
it, it knows what it is, and I think that's the biggest thing. And yeah, the time travel is the only messy part, but it's kind of a flash signature. So do do I hate it because it's stupid and kind of hard to follow? Yes, but it, it's it's close to what the flash is. Pardon me, Matt, but the monkeys are out of bananas. What do you mean we have no more bananas? I would suggest you go to a break. Megacon is this week. We are at booth 3203. Stop by our booth. So much is going to be going on. We have Team Robot and Team Monkey Koozies. Stop by our booth, like us on Facebook, and get a koozie. Decide what team you're on. Are you on Team Monkey? Are you on Team Robot? This is what's going to happen. The epic battle will be at our booth 3203. Also, we're going to do live broadcasts on Facebook and Periscope because we want to interview as many cosplayers as possible. We want every cosplayer at MegaCon to stop by our booth and tell us who you are wearing, who made it. Give us all the details to inspire cosplayers around the world. Also at our booth, once a day, we are going to do a cosplay catwalk where we get a whole bunch of cosplayers together and they strut their stuff. And the cosplayer that struts their stuff the best wins the prize pack for the day. And we have a giant box full of prizes to give away to you. Also, furthermore, even more excitement out here. The official Monkeys Fighting Robots comic book is coming to life and we brought an exclusive print to Megacon. It's a double-sided print. It's really huge. It's almost poster size. It's a poster. Come by our booth. You can purchase that for five bucks. If you buy it, you get two free koozies. Support Monkeys Fighting Robots. Support the comic book that's going to come out of it because who doesn't want to see Monkeys Fight Robots? Everybody wants to see that. Stop by our booth. Megacon's going to be insane. Booth 3203. Make it happen. Welcome back to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast. Game of Thrones proves once again why it's one of the best television shows on the TV. I watched The Flash, I watched Preacher, I watched Fear the Walking Dead, and it was child's play compared to the epic story writing of this week's episode of Game of Thrones. All I have to say is hold the door. Yeah, every fan of Game of Thrones can no longer hold the door for somebody without shedding a tiny tear every time. What a beautiful ending to such an awesome character, as sad as it was, and as, I don't want to say unnecessary, but as as, as much as I didn't want to see Hodor go, it was a badass way for him to go. It was, it was awesome. I think it was such a beautiful scene, and how they, they told the story. That's some interesting time travel storytelling right there. Uh, really, really cool how that worked out. Game of Thrones doesn't usually give you the epic hero's death. It's usually the shittiest way possible for a hero to die, and then you're really torn up as a fan. But this was one of those times where you're like, wow, he's going to make this happen. He's going to save the day, and he's going to keep back this horde of zombies to save Bran. And it was it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. Yeah, it's it, 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 the show needed it. The show really, really needed a beautiful, honest hero moment like this. Because you said the Starks, awesome badass people died in a horrible fashion at the Red Wedding. So we got to see a true character 
die like he, like a hero should. And yeah, it, it's awesome. I, I don't want to keep harping on it because I'm going to get emotional talking about the really badass relationship they had and the the lear- how much we learned about them. But yeah, it was perfect. It was the the perfect way to end that awesome episode. White Walkers, one of the main White reasons Walkers. why I watch, watch the show. I love magic. I love fantasy. And we're going full-blown fantasy with this show right now, and I am enjoying it. Yeah, we dipped so far into magic, and I'm a huge White Walker fan. As a fan of the horror genre, I really needed something like this in Walking Dead. It's a very political drama. It's very family, uh, royalty drama, but this was something I really needed. The zombies, that awesome White Walker king, the backstory with the children of the forest, everything about it and everything White Walker-related I need 100% more of, and I think I'm going to finally get it because the White Walkers can really throw off all of this dynamic for the Iron Throne. Everyone's fighting for something and everyone has drama with other people, but we have these badass ice zombie creature monster things ready to kill everybody. Yeah, who gives a shit about the Iron Throne? Like you said, you got this awesome villain that nobody knows about that's just going to tear through people and it's, oh man, I can't wait till the sides are united and it's just a big battle. I don't know, will I ever see that? Oh yeah, I think totally that's gonna happen one time in the show. I don't. I I, I think the show creators and uh, George R. R. Martin has way too much respect for the audience to kind of like not give us this epic battle. But I don't think it's gonna be in our head of what how it's shaping up. I don't think it's gonna be like that when we finally get there. I think it's gonna be we're gonna fight this people and these people, but then we have this White Walker army throwing off everyone. And do we need to team up? to kill the White Walkers before they kill us. Yeah, I think they're a perfect addition to the show because it, it, it changes everything. And not many people know about it, like you said. And that's pretty awesome that they're kind of this well-kept secret within the show. It was kind of a blah-blah moment for me because it was after the fact. But you enjoyed the moment more than I did when Daenerys was able to communicate with her older man, fellow friend about their love relationship yeah her really nice like old sugar daddy uh got to declaim uh you know proclaim his love to her and it was really adorable i thought it was kind of like a really honest touching scene it was very sleepless in seattle it was it was really really touching and it, it was something i didn't expect from them and you know he's like hey i'm dying from this scaly disease and i love you and she's like yeah that's cool i like brown guys so i kind of love you it was it's an interesting scene and it's it's it was a nice breather from, I think, all of the action that was happening because it needed to break it up and maybe we'll finally end that segment of Daenerys's life to finally move on to her kind of badass path she's on. But I like that character. Yeah, he's a he's a I, great guy, but... I, I he's, had, he's had some British television shows where he's an amazing drunk detective that I love more than life itself. I like him as a, as an actor. I like him as a character because I think he's badass. I like that they showed that he was in the previous episode where he wasn't as badass as he thought he was because he's getting older. But once he becomes a Stonewalker, like, I don't know if they're called Stonewalker Stone People, and if he can control it, that would be awesome. But Daenerys being like, I order you to find the cure. Oh, make gag me with a spoon, man. Oh, horrible. 
Yeah, she's a she's an interesting character because she's still very stern and she's always been kind of mean to him, but you know she cares about him. So it's an interesting relationship, but I would like to see what he's going to do. If he can control, like you said, what his powers can be later on as a Stonewalker. Stonewalker's a great name. That's going to be our new name for them. If he can turn into that, that that would be the perfect way to make his character even more badass. But speaking of love, my favorite love is the ginger wildling and my beautiful large Tilda Swinton looking woman, Miss uh, Brienne of Tarth. She, it, it was perfect. I love that relationship. I hope that develops more. That's one of the better humorous moments that Game of Thrones has put forth. Because it was, it's so authentic. It was so, it, it's like it's something you kind of see in like a normal everyday life setting that like awkward, weird guy who likes the awkward, weird girl, but she's too kind of stuck in her ways. It was, it's so authentic and it was very rom-com and it was so not Game of Thrones, but at the same time fits the two characters so well. Yeah, I thought that was such a, a, a touching little quick moment that I, I, I'm glad a lot of fans noticed because that, I'm so here for that couple. I ship them so hard. They're so perfect. <laughs> ship ah you kids and your shipping i that's the one relevant word i'm trying to keep up with the youngsters nowadays i'm like the worst 25 year old ever so i will ship them too to keep no they were shipping all the way in the 90s and the 80s and and what people apparently like wrote letters about it to editors and they would they they appeared in magazines with these questions really that's cool (laughs) shipping's been i i took a i took a college class about television and we spent i think a full month on shipping and how fans like attach themselves psychology, you know, psychologically to characters and they get emotionally involved with the ships. And, and it was one of the most intriguing four weeks of class ever uh, that I really enjoyed. And we talked about the West wing and all those, and when those characters finally came together and I was like, man, this, people are really, really into their TV. Well, as someone who does like, I do like to like put romantic characters onto people. I don't get that with Game of Thrones too often. I loved, um, uh, like, uh, what's his name? The the first king that was there, um, the Baratheon guy, and he got to die, the the gay character. And I was like, oh, I loved him and like Loras as his boyfriend, and then he died. So I'm like, I'm not shipping anyone anymore on this show. You've ruined it for me. And now I'm starting to like them too. I'm like, well, they're gonna die. I'm I'm I can't start liking them because I'm cursing them forever. The same thing happened with Jon Snow. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's a great Him and uh, Egret or whatever her name was, that was the perfect couple for the show. She was this awesome little, like, Merida chick, and he was Jon Snow, emo douchebag, and, oh, that's our one douchebag for the show. And, yeah, it was it was a cute little couple, and, yep, we ruined that for shipping that. Oh, man. But I think that Sansa's turned the corner uh, from being a whiny teenager to a powerful female leader yeah um her character kind of dipped into that one uh, i see it a lot with her age group and tv a lot of like older men really don't kind of like her because she is a whiny teen and i get it i feel like sometimes a whiny teenage 13 year old girl so i i relate to it but now she's definitely shifting to some badass chick and she she has power though the scene she had with little finger she she got into him and she was like, do you know what the hell you did to me? Oh, and now you want to. Do- yeah, it was perfect. She she she's showing the, the force and the power she needs. And now with Jon Snow, she can be an unstoppable bitch. And I'm, I'm here for that. But Baelish is such a swarmy, slimy. He still had to get the last word in. Oh, of course he does. And that's just kind of his character. But I think Santa held her own. But he put that doubt of trust in into Sansa about John. He's like, John Snow is not your, 
you know, bloodline, full lineage, and as he walked out, and I'm like, why? Um, that's what's gonna do, and I think she's going to doubt it for a second, but in this show, sometimes blood means nothing. You see it a lot with the Lannisters, and you know, you know her dealing with the Ramsey, that whole family. She knows blood doesn't matter sometimes, so I think she'll doubt for a moment, but realize Jon Snow's really there for her, and he might be a, kind of in this emo crying kid, but he he's not as bad as I think people are ever going to make him out to be. How do you, when do you think this Ramsey battle is going to happen? Because if it happens at the end of the season, I'm going to be kind of disappointed. I like the pace that they're going and I hope that it happens within the next few episodes. Yeah, I told you my prediction for that was uh, episode nine. I think that's when. Uh, that's the, the end. That's oh, the end of the season. Well, hey, like, you know what? If that's really the end, I think that's, I think it's worth it because rarely they, they do kind of give you that that episode nine and then episode 10 is like the big episode, but that's the, it's the episode it needs to happen. It's, it's the infamous game of Thrones episode nine. And I, like I told you last one, I hope it's a stark rebellion. I hope all of them get together and really get the revenge they need to get. Cause now look at Arya. She now went through another test and passed it, I think. And I think her character is getting built up again as well. She didn't kill that person yet. And there was a little doubt on whether oh, yeah, or not yeah. she was going to do it because she doesn't, want to kill blindly and and but the faceless person doesn't ask those questions faceless just does what they do uh but i i did like i did like all the gratuitous boob shots in in that part of that that's part of the episode well it's game of thrones it's blood and boobies blood and boobies blood and boobies and it's it was yeah it was a good it's a good moment because game of thrones really didn't have it and they had that weird like baby dick scene that we didn't need as well so. oh yeah oh you had to bring that back up i was oh, like yeah oh, trust me as like a as a fan of like shock movies and gross shit i was like hmm, game of thrones added baby dick to their list like i really wanted like full frontal male nudity but not that guys not that <laughs> i would be perfectly happy if they removed the boobs from the show and showed more dragons when they wanted to show boobs they showed me dragons i'd be perfectly fine with it. oh yeah i would trade any of the nudity in that show for some dragon, some magic, some something else. But hey, it's Game of Thrones. It's going to be boobies and blood and dragons sometimes. AMC went into a new direction this past Sunday with the premiere of Preacher directed by Seth Rogen. I really enjoyed this episode of the show as a pilot. I didn't read the comic book and I specifically didn't read the comic book once this got announced because I want to enjoy the show and have the mystery come at me and be surprised along with the audience. It's going to be really tough to miss the spoiler since I write about this stuff, but I want to truly enjoy this show. It has an amazing feel to it. It has a comic book feel to it. All the characters are really awesome in a way where they're just well put together all in one pilot episode. I just thought the pilot episode was brilliant and I don't think you could improve on it. No, that's exactly the, the, the tone it needed to show me for what it was going to do. It sold the show. Well, it introduced characters. Well, it gave you enough to make you question, but it gave you enough answers to kind of answer some of what you were kind of thinking. Yeah, it was perfect. It was It's the ideal pilot for a TV show, and it's something I wanted from AMC because they do something with the horror genre with uh, Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, but it's not the horror I like. I like Robert Rodriguez. I like campy, filthy 80s slasher movies, and this is close to it. It's bloody. It's funny. 
yeah, it's really funny, but not uh not a forced uh not a forced comedy that I end up hating in a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies. It's very organic. It's very in the moment, and the blood it's gratuitous, but the perfect amount of gratuitous blood. Yeah, I completely agree. This is exactly what needed to sell me on the show. And Dominic Cooper as the preacher, perfect, awesome performance. You talked about the funny, but what the funny does is the funny sets up the heavy because this is a mad investigation about religion and faith and where you are as a person and what you do and how you do things. And all the different characters are at some different point of faith and religion or not religion or as a person or how you want to be. And it'll be interesting to see how this show interprets today's reality because the show was the comic book was set back in the the mid 90s and that was going we were going through a completely different turbulent time than we are 20 years later to see how they interpret like Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders into this show or if they do or how they do it I'm a huge fan of this and my brain just goes crazy trying to analyze people and characters and what is their motivation? How are they going to get out of certain situations? And this, this is a show made perfectly for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is, this is what I wanted from a show like this and it, it's right up my alley. And like I got to invest in so many characters, but there's one character that stood out to me, Cassidy, the Irish vampire, uh, on that it, that plane scene where he was going through stabbing people, uh, kind of being funny when he like stabbed him with like the top of the the champagne bottle and poured the blood out into the cup. Awesome humorous moments, but would still be in the graphic. And I definitely agree. I like how they kind of reel you in with some humor, but then throw something heavy. Oh, here's something funny. Here's something heavy. It's the perfect way to balance a deep subject like that without losing audience with being too dark or too melodrama like melodramatic. You like Cassidy. I really adore Tulip and her origin sort of story where she's fighting in the cornfields. Just the way that action was filmed to begin with was beautiful. But then how she empowered the kids around her and the way the little girl looked at her as like a hero at the end, I could just see it drawn in a comic book that same the way that girl gave the stare off the tulip and was so enamored with her and wanted to grow up to be her i i have speechless speechless yeah her scene was another part of the uh awesome fight choreography that that intro thing was uh her her character is awesome tulip is probably one of my favorite things and i i kind of until you said it forgot about how awesome she was with the kids and how kind of important that was to that episode because each character, uh, especially like with the preacher, they they care and there's some kind of heart. As ridiculous as the universe we're thrusting in, in there's there's still some love and there's still some good ish people here. And I like that. I think that's what's going to keep the show being so interesting. Uh, with as dark and melodramatic as sometimes The Walking Dead gets, to see this on the same network, it's such a good uh, such a good yin and yang to what we can get on a Sunday night TV. You know what's going to keep this show interesting. And this person hasn't even shown up on screen yet. Is Jackie Earl Haley shows up next week? 
yeah, what a great actor. And he fits into this universe. This universe is dirty and it's grungy and it's kind of creepy. And that's exactly what he does when he gets into those certain characters. And yeah, he's the perfect addition to the show. I can't wait. It's, it's, this is, he's one of my favorite actors because, you know, I, I watched the Bad News Bears a million times and the kid on a motorcycle smoking cigarettes playing Little League and just dominating. That was my cup, cup of tea back in the, late 70s, early 80s, and then he fell off the face of the earth, and then he was Freddy Krueger, and everybody's really mad about that. But no, with a side note, he was that in was Watchmen. horrible, <laughs> and everyone deserved to be mad at that, but he played Rorschach in um, Watchmen, so all is forgiven once again. <laughs> Ten episodes. This summer's going to be awesome. The ratings were kind of fluffy on it, and do you think it's going to rebound from word of mouth or or what do you what do you think it's going to go with my initial prediction was it was going to fall off second week because the the show was too niche or it was too uh it was too out there and obscure and too graphic for people so to see it low the first week was kind of interesting but i I think the word of mouth is really going to help it because a lot of people really dug it and i you know sometimes i don't want to say ratings don't matter because it does matter to people but so many people think watch things online so many people think get things illegally so people are talking about it and people really really like it and you know the critics kind of eh on it but fans and the audience really really got it and understood it so i think that's what's going to keep the show alive the mid-season finale of fear the walking dead was this past sunday and is every show now having a mid-season finale? Is that the new selling point on TV shows? I don't know when mid-season finales became a thing. I just felt like one time I was watching a show and they're like, all right, mid-season finale. And I'm like, this is new and now it's never going away. And I kind of hate it, but it, it it gives it for good drama in the middle of the season because now the creators and the writers know they'll take a break and need to give you an awesome cliffhanger and kind of throw the story in a different direction. And Fear the Walking Dead did that really well. Fear the Walking Dead just blew up shit, man. I mean, like, not physically blew up shit, but, like, the characters are everywhere now and, and there are so many threads of plot lines going on. Madison kind of heading towards an evil path. Travis, he's... Just dumb. Nick no. is covered I'm so in blood. Glad Travis is gone, man. Travis needed to go forever, and I that I was so overjoyed. Like dumb, gone by. Chris is a psychopath, and he's like, "I gotta save my son." I'm like, ah, "Your son wants to kill people. You probably shouldn't try to save him." Yeah, yeah. Just let him go. Be crazy, evil, sadistic person. And can we just focus more on people like, uh, like Nick and stuff like that, where I actually care about them? Well, I, I don't understand. I understand. I understand, but I don't understand Nick's dilemma. He's upset because they destroyed that plantation and they ruined things. Correct? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, that's basically like the core of it. And so now he's. He's going Forrest Gump and just going to go walk in the zombie world for a little bit. Uh, yeah, that, I think that's perfect for his character. It's he He's a wanderer. He's not going to fit in with people. And if we can expand the Fear of the Walking Dead universe and to see him kind of go to different tribes and kind of be a wanderer, drifter, I think that would be cool for him. 
Because in Walking Dead, no one ever should be alone. We've learned that that not many people other than Michonne for the while when she had the zombies attached to her. No one really does well by themselves. And I think Nick could be the character to maybe survive for a little bit by himself until the group needs to all get back together at one point. I think he's going to run into Alex, the Asian girl from the plane. That's a, Yeah, that's a good way of connecting the story more and kind of giving him a character off from the main core people. And then... Like I said, Chris needs to just die. Travis, he's one of he's one of those people that foil you when you're trying to survive. He's like, ah, we don't need to do that. And then, then you're like, wow, Travis, thanks a lot. I'm getting eaten by zombies because you're an idiot that wants to save your crazy son. Madison, I do you like her story arc in season two where she's becoming this alpha female? Uh, yeah, I definitely did not predict that for her character. If you would have told me in season one... Uh, you t- actually told me kind of in the beginning of when we started talking about it, the second season that you thought she was going to be the Rick Grimes and I kind of brushed it off, but no, she's taken this alpha female role really awesome. And it's a different way, totally different direction from what I thought for her. And it's, it's kind of cool to see this awesome female lead, but she's getting a little, a little kind of crazy. You kind of call it a little evil and I kind of agree, but I think it's a good twist for her, but no one's going to be as evil as my queen Cecilia Loved her. One of my favorite villains on TV in a while. I wouldn't even say she's a villain. I mean, she didn't do anything wrong to anybody. She didn't kill anybody. She was she was the mob leader at the time. But as far as villains in the Walking Dead universe, she was pretty easygoing. Yeah, and I, I think that's what kind of, I, I felt like I, I, I can see more underlining her, especially with her religious background and how she kind of viewed the zombies as something different than what we normally view zombies as and the Mexican heritage she has. I thought her character was really cool. And I'm kind of hoping finger crossing that she's not dead because seeing her more on the show would be something I would really love. Oh, I take back my whole, her being a nice villain because she did massacre all the people from the church. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to kind of like let you brush that over that she didn't (laughs) just murder a bunch of people, but she didn't murder them by her, uh, by her own hand. I mean, that's that's but relatively. yeah, and I think that's what I like about her villain is uh, she's different than what we get from like uh, what the governor was or what Negan is on The Walking Dead is a lot of hands on villains. And she's not this big, crazy, this big man, but she's this evil, conniving kind of a cult like woman. And I think that's very interesting. And I would love to see if we can expand on her way more. And you think she's still alive? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the rule in TV is unless I see you get ripped apart, you're still alive. No, she's not dead to me. Uh, I need to see her like torn apart limbs until I can check that off. We were talking about shipping earlier and how I was just like, blah, blah, blah about it. But then uh, during our pregame, when we were talking about this, I was like, I really wanted Nick and Ophelia to get together. And apparently I shipped those two. Yeah, yeah, and that's a it's a proper ship. I I I think it's it's justified, but uh Ophelia turned around to a different character than what I thought she was going to be, and now I think her with Nick would be even a better pairing if we could have got that cuz that was cute and Ophelia it wasn't a waste of time as I thought she was going to be. Yeah, the beginning of the season we thought she was going to be the first person to get whacked off. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we didn't put money on that because we were really off on this one. I'm trying to figure out where Victor Strand goes from here as far as a character. 
uh, he'll do really good in like Cancun and Cabo with some. Oh wait, they're all dead. Um, yeah, no, he he just needs to have this really weird story kind of going off on his own. Strand kind of disappointed me. I think um, it, the Madison character kind of took over what I wanted for Strand and. And Strand's kind of falling into obscurity, especially this episode. He didn't have as much impact as uh, he should have for a mid-season finale. No, he was definitely out of the... I, he's not very memorable. I, I know he did things, but in it, like, he dug a hole for a very long time. But he didn't have a very memorable season finale, mid-season finale. Ruben Blades' character, Daniel, is going down a weird path. Yeah, they went this down this weird, like, dreamy, artsy. He's having nightmares about uh, everything that's going on, so it's affecting him. And it, it, it's a, he's a good actor, so he can he can handle whatever we throw at him. But I, I feel it's a wasted for what we could do for him and what the character could do. But they're they're giving so many other good, so many other characters good attention that he kind of got lost in the shuffle. I do like that. Fear the Walking Dead has a a bigger, greater religious element to it. And it's also because it's filmed in Mexico and Mexico has this religious heritage. So I really appreciate that from a writing and filmmaking point of view, but just the whole apocalypse hitting the shit, hitting the fan and the dead rising and all the biblical things that can go on. And then you add this to the fear of the walking dead just makes for a much better show for me than the than the actual Walking Dead. Yeah, it, it totally gives it this uh, this more rooted in a, uh, something familiar with us, and it it has a cool background, like you said, all the biblical things that happen with like, the dead rising and how this is just the apocalypse and the Mexican culture. They respect dead in a w- completely different way than what we do, and I think that's what this is like. Celia's character gets to do is show us this like different side of it. Yeah, it's totally cool and. I think uh, people haven't lost religion yet. I think where we are in the Walking Dead series, it's been months, if not years, since this has happened. So, yeah, people have – there is no God to them. You know, We have zombies walking around eating people. There is no religion where – these are still fresh people. They're still trying to hold on to something like that. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a cool atmosphere, and I think that's what makes it a completely different show. But with the Walking Dead, I feel like they lost their moral compass character – and haven't been able to replace it with a good character to stay grounded to where there's a right and wrong. Now I feel like we're just full-blown desperation mode, survival mode. Yeah, everyone's like a vigilante, like anti-hero in Walking Dead. No one no one has like a good moral compass there. And it's cool to still see people have that in Fear the Walking Dead. If it's for good reasons or for bad reasons, people still have some kind of grounded and good. And yeah, no one's really shown that yet in Walking Dead because everyone lost it and haven't got to redeem it. You know, the show's probably still far from over, so it could still happen. But I think Fear the Walking Dead has a not a lighter sense to it, but there's more soul to it than what Walking Dead has. More soul than what Walking Dead has. That's an that's an interesting comment. I, I it was because I'm going through the names of the people or the characters that are on the Walking Dead right now and trying to figure out who that you know because I'm like Beth is gone, Maggie is she's going more into an alpha female person. Carol, I'm trying to think of who was 
well, Carol's trying to go down that redeeming pass, and we're kind of seeing what happens when you lose it and trying to find it. She's done a lot of crazy shit, so she's trying to like trying to go back on it now, and it's it's messing with her brain a lot. And no one's really gone that path on um, Fear the Walking Dead. So if we can still keep it, I don't think we're going to have the struggles that a lot of people on Walking Dead have. Morgan is supposed to be the moral compass for the Walking Dead. And he's just not doing it well. (laughs) Yeah, he's like a he tries to be this Batman. Like, we do not kill. We do not do this. But like ends up like doing crazy shit when he needs to. And I'm like, do you? You practice what you preach, my friend, because I don't think you are. Let's make our predictions now and kind of like write it down on a piece of paper for Fear of the Walking Dead. Who do you think is going to die at the end of this season? Well, I don't want to say Ophelia again because we're going to be fucking wrong next time because she somehow lived through the first half of the season. So, yeah, not she's not on my list, but I definitely think... Uh, Maybe personally, I want Travis to go. I think he, he's a good character to kill off because he would impact the story. He's a good actor, but seeing him go really wouldn't hurt the show. We know Madison's not going anywhere. Maybe Strand. I think Strand's kind of a... He's a good prediction of someone to go. And maybe he'll try to get a heroic ending to kind of redeem his character. I was really worried when I saw that Frank Dillalane got arrested because that's usually the kiss of death for a character that's what happened on lost is a couple characters got duis and then two weeks later they killed him off on lost and i was like no yeah thankfully his case wasn't the you know domestic violence it wasn't drugs it wasn't a crazy crazy charge so i think he might be a little safe but we'll see if anything happens because yeah seeing his character go because of something stupid like that would definitely hurt because he's so awesome uh who is who do i think is gonna get killed off at the season finale, Victor Strand, I can see that happening. Travis, because that will make Madison either stronger or darker. I like Alicia. She, I hope they don't write her off. Ophelia, Chris needs to go, but he's now crazy, and crazy people usually survive in, in, in the Walking Dead universe. I'm going to go with Ruben Blades' character, Daniel, Dan Salazar. Yeah, he's another great character, kind of like a strand where his he, as an actor he can do great with what you know death scene can do, and yeah, he's a, he's definitely a good pick. Fear, and we're not even sure when the show starts back up again. Yeah, I think it's sometime in like random August, like August twenty something, but it's a long break. Yeah, they're definitely gonna. I think they're gonna start over, maybe finish. You kind of predicted this early. I think they're gonna finish right when Walking Dead's gonna start. So yeah, we're getting year round Walking Dead with a. Sp- sprinkle of the preacher in between yeah and you know it's funny preacher we were talking religion and preacher and fear the walking dead have that tie to each other so yeah we're gonna get a religious awesome crazy summer okay ej this is our show i don't know number one i can't wait to go to megacon but i'm also looking forward to that drive back to saint pete and crashing on my couch sunday night and watching my shows game of thrones and preacher Cause I'm going to be so dead tired. My brain's going to turn off and it's going to be one of the greater viewing experiences because I'm so tired and just enjoying it. Yeah. I'm going to be so drained after that, that I, I can't wait to skip back and go through all the photos and all the videos and start making awesome stuff and uploading it. But I'm going to be doing it as a zombie for that rest of that Sunday coming back. I can't wait. It's going to be an awesome thing. And I can't wait to see you there and hang out and just, just meet some awesome, cool people there. EJ, You get a little bit of sleep because I will see you at Megacon tomorrow. 
I will see you at Megan Con tomorrow. Thank you so much, Matt. Can't wait. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram, and there's going to be tons of them from Megacon at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host, EJ, is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud, and we are way past 100 followers now. Thank you so much. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. All you Android users out there, I still can't believe people use Android phones. Listen to the show on Stitcher. Additionally, there's this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the Monkey Fighting Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 76th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Special shout out to my co-host, EJ Marino, for putting up with me. It's going to be so interesting if one of us doesn't survive this weekend. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? Find out at Megacon this weekend. The staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Hi, I'm Taraji P. Henson. In my new movie, What Men Want, I could hear men's thoughts. You Critics are calling What Men Want outrageously funny. Nice! The must-see comedy. I would miss it for the world. Amazing! Taraji P. Henson, Aldous Hodge, Erica Badu, Tracy Morgan. If you only knew what I was thinking right now. Trust me, we don't want to know. <laughs> what Men Want. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. In theaters tomorrow.